Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Hey, turn your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, it's where we're going to be hanging out uh, right at the start of, of service. And uh, Matthew chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, if you go to our info area, we'd love to give you a Bible. Um, so Matthew chapter 4. Today we're in week number 2 of a series that we're calling We Refuse to Live Life Alone. And if you've hung out around our church in the first 57 weeks, you may have heard this statement. It's really like a cultural phrase around here that we refuse to live life alone. And so this series is all about like community and relationships and friendships and the importance of those things and the necessity of those things. And our theme verse is taken from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And it says, it is not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. And this was actually the very first thing in the Bible that God said was not good. And so out of all the things that in the Bible that could have been not good, the first thing that God said, you know what's not good is loneliness, is being alone. And that's because God never designed us to live life alone. That we are hardwired by God to, to like be connected to each other and to be in relationship and in community with each other. But here's what I've learned. Even though that we are hardwired and, and made by God to not live alone, what I found is that we still have the choice whether or not we live life alone or not. And so this series is all about us making that choice. In fact, I've been praying that it is a line in the sand moment for so many of us that says, even though I can make the choice to live life alone, you know what? I refuse to live life alone. And that we're the type of community that makes that choice, that we refuse to live life alone. And today, we're going to start by reading a few verses about Jesus. And I'm going to read five different verses about Jesus. And by the way, we love Jesus around here. I don't know if you figured that out from our language or from our signs or from, you know, the songs that we sing, but we love Jesus. In fact, one of our values uh, is Jesus is our message that we're always going to make sure that we are talking the most about Jesus. Um, and so we love Jesus. And so we're going to dive into a few scriptures here about Jesus. But I want you to pay close attention to who he's hanging out with. Okay, so that's what I want to make sure that as we read these verses, make sure that we focus on who he's hanging out with. Okay, Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A few chapters later in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Two verses later in verse 5, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer 
came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. The next chapter, Matthew chapter 9. It says in verse 9, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. And then the very next verse in verse 10, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. And along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners... But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write down this message title. For the next few minutes, we're going to talk about this, strictly inclusive, strictly inclusive. Okay, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for bringing us here today. And God, we do not want to play church. We don't want to go through the motions. God, we want to hear from you. Not just a man, we want to hear from you. And so God, I pray that you speak to each and every one of us. And we open up our entire life to you right now and give you permission to speak into any single area of it. You set the agenda today. And so, God, I just ask that when we walk out of here, we're different than when we walked in. So, God, we open up our eyes to see you, our ears to hear from you. We open up our mind and our hearts to receive from you. We thank you, and it's through Jesus that we pray, and everybody said amen. Strictly inclusive. How many of you know that you can learn a whole lot about a person by who they hang out with? Anybody know that? You can learn a lot. And nowadays... It is easier than ever to learn about people. You can just get your phone, and you can jump on social media, and if you know somebody's name, you can probably find out a whole lot about them. You know, we even have a term for this called, like, Facebook, Instagram stalking. I don't know. Is anybody, like, a good Instagram, Facebook stalker? Come on, show of hands. Y'all lying? Y'all all do it? <laughs> I mean, you just, it's like, you know, you can learn so much about people, like what they do. You can learn what they like. You can learn who they hang out with. You can learn if they're single or not, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, th this, may, this may age me a lot, um, but I didn't grow up with smartphones and I didn't grow up with social media because they did not exist yet. Um, in fact, like the very first cell phone that we ever got as a family, uh, we left it in the car. And this was it. This was actually the, the, the cell phone that we had, the old school Motorola. Uh, it was one that was about a foot long, and you just unfolded it and brought it up, the antenna up, and you're like, hello, how's everybody? And most of the time, it didn't even work. Uh, the battery life was about seven and a half minutes, and uh, it cost about $1.25 per minute. Um, but we left it in the car. Like, we didn't even, we didn't even take it anywhere. We did, I don't know if we could have fit it in our jeans uh, anyway if we, if we wanted to to take it anyway, but we barely used it. And guys, digital photography didn't even exist. And so there was this stuff called film. I don't know if anybody remembers that, uh, but there was this film. And um, like I was a big user of the disposable camera. I don't know if you remember that, like when you would buy these packaged cameras and you'd go and take the picture, but it wouldn't work. 
because you forgot to do the little scroll thing and you're like, oh man. And then while you're doing it, it goes off and that's like one out of the 29 pictures that you took is like of your leg. And, um, <laughs> and so, so we, we didn't have like, like digital photography where we could take a bunch of pictures and go through them and find the one we really like. So growing up, like in school, one of the biggest days of the year was picture day. It was such a big day. And um, like now, now when I grew up, there was two very different picture days. The, the one was like the normal picture day that still happens. It's the individual headshots, you know, but then we had something known as group picture day. I don't know if any of you like remember group picture day. It was, it was very similar to the, to the normal picture day with the headshot. Schools would bring in a professional photographer with those killer backdrops, you know, and uh, just like on picture day, kind of the normal thing. But on this day, you could get your friends together to take a coordinated group picture together. And it was, it was a very big deal. It was like kind of where are we at socially? Like, am I in this group? Am I in that group? Like, how close are we? Because if you took the group picture together, that was like your best friends. And so just for fun, I went back into the archives and I found a couple of my old group pictures. And let me just tell you, before I share these with you in a lot of vulnerability up here as a communicator, uh, I give you full permission to laugh uh, because they are funny. And I look back on those now and I'm like, oh my goodness, what was happening back in? The first one is going to be sixth grade. It was the first time I ever took a group picture. And there we go, sixth grade. I'm the one on the left. Um, and so that's me. Um, <laughs> and so I, I was looking at that, like, that's like a modern outfit right now. Like some of the college students are like, oh, that's a great outfit right there. Um, that, so that was my really good friend, Michael Witsey. And so Michael Whitsey, one of my best friends growing up, we played basketball together. We were close friends. So in sixth grade, we made the decision, we're going to do a group picture together. And I want to make sure that you guys all notice the matching Air Force One shoes right there. <laughs> Even in sixth grade, I had good shoe game. And, um, and so the matching Air Force Ones took it to the next level. Um, but then I found one six years later whenever I was a senior in high school, and there's the senior year. I got more friends. I guess I lost Michael. I don't know where Michael went, uh, but, but Michael was in that picture, and uh, you know, that was, you know, it's, I, I remember we were like, let's look hard in floral, okay? Like, it was a great choice, go and go in the floral. And I, I'm the one that's in the middle, kind of in the back there with the sunglasses right there inside, I mean, um, my goodness, and um, I don't know what the guy's doing down on the floor, uh, but like he, <laughs> sorry, Adam, his name is Adam, um, and I, I don't know if you can notice, but I had some like rock, like some strong sideburns um, that are right there. You have to look real, real close, but just some strong sideburns there, and uh, picture day is a big deal because please get those off the screen. Please just, nobody needs to see that anymore. Nobody needs to see that. Um, but you can learn a lot about a person by who they hang out with. And if you look at the life of Jesus, if you look through those five scriptures that we just read and all the rest of them about Jesus, you can learn a lot about him by who he hung out with. 
and actually how that should impact our life. And I want to give you three things today, thinking about this thought of strictly inclusive. And here's number one, Jesus is strictly inclusive. Jesus is strictly inclusive. That if you look back at those verses that we read, that we see Jesus hanging out with two fishermen, a terminally sick guy with leprosy, a Roman soldier, tax collectors, and a whole bunch of what people quote-unquote sinners. And that's just a few chapters in the book of Matthew. If you take some time to read through the first four books of the New Testament, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's commonly known as the Gospels, it tells the story of Jesus. And you'll see, if you read through those four books, you'll see Jesus hanging out with all types of people, people like Jewish Pharisees, like the top religious leaders of the day. You'll see him hanging out with a Samaritan woman with a bad reputation, his close disciples that he did day-to-day life with for three years. You see him hanging out with sick people and people with disabilities, criminals, believers, believers, non-believers, skeptics. You see him even hanging out with the woman that's caught in the very act of adultery and the people that caught her in the act of adultery. You see him hanging out with kids and peers and older people and rich people and poor people and so much more. And my question is, when I read through the Gospels and I see Jesus hanging out with all these different groups of people, what do all these people have in common? And so I thought about that, and I studied that all week, and I can only find one thing. They all had a pulse. They all had a pulse. And Jesus, even by reading through who he hangs out with, Jesus says, if you have a pulse, I love you. And that if you're breathing, I care about you. And if your heart is beating, you belong with me. I love that Jesus is the ultimate bridge builder. Always building bridges across cultural lines, gender lines, racial lines, socioeconomic lines, generational lines, and spiritual lines. I'm telling you, if you don't like diversity, you will not like heaven. In fact, Revelation chapter 5, John has a picture of heaven, and God gives him a vision and a glimpse of what heaven could be like. And this is what he describes, talking about Jesus. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe, language, people group, and nation. Church, Jesus is strictly inclusive. And here's why this is so important. Here's why it's so important for us to dive into this and to think about the fact that Jesus is so important because it's crucial that we understand this. So don't miss this, especially if you're here and you've already made a decision to follow Jesus. You're a Christian. Here's why it's so important for you and I to get this, because we are called to follow that Jesus. That in other words, if you're truly following Jesus, That our lives are supposed to look more and more and more like Jesus. So if Jesus is strictly inclusive, number two, the church is strictly inclusive. At least it should be. That the church is strictly inclusive. That because Jesus 
is strictly inclusive, that the church should be strictly inclusive. In fact, listen to some of the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven in Matthew chapter 28. And by the way, this is called the Great Commission. And this is where we get our mission as a church from. Like our mission, it's why we exist. And we exist to reach all people and teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. And that mission, why we exist, comes from this passage of Scripture. And listen to what it says. It says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, Jesus drew near and said to them, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Go then to all people everywhere and make them my disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I will be with you always to the end of this age. And I love that phrase, all people, which means it doesn't matter who you are, that you belong that you belong at church, that it doesn't matter how you dress, how you look, your skin color, you belong at church. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter which generational class that you fall into. It doesn't matter if you're a baby boomer and you're in here or you're Gen X or Gen Z or millennial or whatever label that people are throwing on people these days, whatever that is, you belong. It doesn't matter how you vote or how you stand on the hot button issues. It doesn't matter how much money you have, whether you're here and you're a multimillionaire or you're on food stamps, you belong. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter if you're on the east side or the west side. It doesn't matter if you're in Kentucky or Ohio. It doesn't matter what neighborhood. It doesn't even matter where you went to high school. You belong. You belong at church. And it doesn't matter what your past is. Let me just be clear. It doesn't matter what you did last night. Belong at church. You belong here. It doesn't matter how, like, put together and proper your family is right now. Or whether it is just a dumpster fire right now. Like, whether it's like, my, my marriage right now is hanging on by a thread. And we fought on the way to church. And we're sitting beside each other, but there might as well be a mile in between us. Or maybe, like, my relationship with my kids just isn't what it should be. And I haven't, we haven't talked in a long time. Or maybe it's that, or maybe it's everything is good. Wherever you are with that. And here's the deal. It doesn't even matter where you are in your spiritual journey. Yeah, that maybe you're here and you are so, like, you're just far from God. Maybe you used to follow Jesus, and now it's been such a long time that, you, that it's, like, it's not even part of your life anymore. And maybe even right now you're feeling super uncomfortable being in church. Or maybe it's like, I don't even believe, but I'm just kind of spiritually curious. Or maybe somebody tricked me, and I don't even know how I got here today. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe it's like you've been following Jesus for a long time. Or somewhere in between. Like the reality is you belong here. That before you believe a certain way, before you behave a certain way, you belong at church. And Jesus says, if you have a pulse, you belong at church. And as long as I'm leading this bad boy, if you have a pulse, you belong here at Queen City Church. The church that Jesus created is strictly 
inclusive. And let me just say, don't you dare buy into the lie of the enemy that says you don't belong. Because yeah. I believe that that's one of the greatest tricks of the enemy, that he could just sit here in an environment like this and whisper in your ear, you know what, because of this, because you're this age, because you look like this, because whatever, because that pastor is this, whatever, like you could just say, you don't belong here. I'm telling you, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell from the enemy saying that you don't belong. So don't buy into that. Don't buy into that. And so to help kind of uh, paint this picture of what this should look like, and really not more than that, like the dream that's in my heart of what I want our church to look like. I've asked some people to help me. So, so if you're helping me, go ahead and make your way up here. Go ahead and make your way up here. Come on, why don't we clap our hands for the people that are helping me? Because I, I want to I, I show you just a little illustration for you to see, for you to really be able to, to put your mind around. And so I'm, you guys go ahead, grab hands and circle up and just make a circle, okay? So this right here, this is what a lot of times community looks like. This is what a lot of times what everything looks like in terms of, man, like in, in sociology, they have a term for it. It's called grouping. It's where you circle up with people that are mostly like you. There is something that, that brings you together. There's some commonality that makes it where, okay, we circle up. And so let, let's just give you a few examples. It could be as simple as I cheer for this team. And so because we all cheer for this team, we can get in a circle and we can all fit in a little group and in a community. And if you want to get in this group, you have to kind of fit this certain mold and you have to cheer for this certain team. And then maybe you can kind of sneak your way into here and, and get connected to this group. But if you cheer for the opposite team, their rival, then probably there's another little circle that's over here that you can then get together and circle up with the group of people here. This could be as this could be like, okay, this is how we vote. And so I'm an elephant, I'm a donkey. Okay, and so we kind of circle up and we kind of get together and this is, this is, how, this is how we view things, this is, this is what this looks like. So if you, if you think that way, if you vote that way, then yes, you can come in here, you can do this. Or maybe it's even something where it's, it's along the lines of like, this is how we believe a certain way about a certain topic, or maybe we just, we, we look a certain way, and so we just hang and we just kind of get in there. And what I found is that a lot of times it's really hard to get into there. And so it can feel very exclusive. It feels like if I'm not in this, then I don't belong. I just, I'm, I'm just looking for a way in but it feels exclusive. And I just want to just pause right here and just in a moment of vulnerability and realness, how many of you, by the show of hands, and listen, it doesn't have to be like in the context of this church, but anytime, have you ever felt this way at church? Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think that a lot of people have felt that way at church, where it feels like, man, I, I can't get in that group. Um, I got to look a certain way. I got to talk a certain way. I got to dress a certain way, act a certain way, behave a certain way, believe a certain way to belong. But here's what I want you to understand. That's not the picture 
of the church that Jesus paints in the Bible. Here's what the church should look like. So I want you to circle up again, but face out. This is what the church should look like. It's still a circle. It is, it is still in community. We're still connected to each other. And that this is a, this is a inclusive, not exclusive circle. It's, it's a circle that's facing out, that you're always looking for who's around, that who can you invite, who can you bring into the circle, that it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, what all those different type of things, and what other labels that the world tries to throw on you. It's like, who's around, and how can we make this circle bigger? It's everywhere we go. It's just we're constantly looking. And so then it's like, oh, you're not in the circle. Come on in here. And then that circle gets a little bit bigger. And then we go out. And then it's like, okay, who's around? And then, oh, you're not in this circle. And so we're going to grab you and we're going to throw you in the circle. And it's just ever-growing, strictly inclusive circle. Constantly looking for who can be included. And the deal with this type of circle, it has the mentality that people on the outside is not an option. Now we're looking that it's going outside the walls of the church and saying, who's around? Who can people that I can invite? Who are people that I can bring with me? Who are people that I can get connected? Who are people that are maybe brand new that it's like, I can actually help them get connected a little bit more than when we're strictly inclusive. It's like, man, I don't want anybody sitting by themselves at church. I want to be able to connect with people and make sure that, that everybody knows that because Jesus is strictly inclusive, that the church is strictly inclusive. And that people that say, you know, people on the outside, it's, not, it's no longer an option. See, because here's what I believe. I believe that in this series, we're making a decision to say we refuse to live life alone. But when you start to live this way, you're making the decision to say, I refuse to let anybody live life alone. And that's what, and here's what I believe. I believe with all my heart, and it's one of the greatest like revelations that I felt like I've had in this whole church planning journey is that people are craving community that looks like this. In fact, I think people are desperate for it. And I think that the future of the church is dependent on us getting this right. Because for the first time in human history, we have a generation that's growing up with this in their pocket. And the truth is, this can give us anything at any time. And not just anything, most everything in excess. So for example, let's just take church. If you're all into the preaching and you love to hear great preaching, the truth is you can jump on this bad boy and find 24 hours a day, seven day of preaching that's way better than me. You can go listen to the best preachers in the world. Whatever your flavor is, it's there. And you can go, you can go find it. So like, are we going to build our church on preaching? Absolutely not. Because you can go find better preaching. I know that. Some of y'all are like, yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. Just, <laughs> it's okay. It's cool. Okay. Here's another thing. Like if it's like, oh, I want to build my life. I, I, I want to, I want to get worship. Well, cool. You know what? Th this can give you the worship songs that all our amazing worship team just copied. The people that wrote them, the people that, I mean, you can go, you can find unlimited music, unlimited, but I can tell you what this can't give you is this. That's good. 
It cannot give you real, genuine connection. And I'm telling you, that is something that is so important because I think the world is craving it. In fact, the future of the church is dependent on it. I believe that with all my heart. And that's why we've gone all in with making this a big part of our church. We tell our team, we actually train our team the best way that we can to say, you know, we even have a team that is called the Connect Team because we want to make sure that at our church, we're going to at least do our very best and go down swinging if we don't do it well. And we're going to try our very best to be the most welcoming place in all of Cincinnati that are experts in connecting. And you may have experienced this here. Like if you're here for the first time and you haven't hung out around here, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a little pro tip at our church that if you don't want to be talked to by anybody, come late and leave early. Because somebody's probably going to talk to you. And that's by design. Because we know that this is so important. Why? Because Jesus is strictly inclusive. And we are following Jesus. And the church is strictly inclusive. We are a circle that's facing out, constantly growing, constantly trying to find people that we can bring into our circle. That's good. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Let's clap our hands for them. Thank you. So let me end with this. So Jesus is strictly inclusive. The church is strictly inclusive. And then number three, write this down. The gospel is strictly inclusive. The gospel is strictly inclusive. And, and the gospel, all that really means, if you're like, what does that even mean? It's, the, it's what Jesus has done for you. And it literally means good news. And I love that. By the way, if you've ever heard the story of Jesus as bad news, I promise you that's not the gospel. Because the gospel is always good news. And it says that, you know, all of us, we all mess up. We all sin. And we all make mistakes. And that sin, it actually separates us from relationship with God. And as much as we try to fix it ourselves, and I've been there, and I've tried to do my very best to crawl out of that hole myself, and if only I could try harder, if only I could do more good things, if only I could give more money, serve more, do more, all more, 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 I try to fix myself, I just can't. And you and I, we cannot fix that problem. But the cool thing is, God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to be born of a virgin over 2,000 years ago, and he lived a perfect, sinless life. But even more than just living a perfect, sinless life, here's one thing that I think that we forget about Jesus sometimes, is that not only did he come to take care of our bill, but he came to show us a brand new way how to live life. That Jesus, when he came on the scene, he changed everything. And all of a sudden, what was this now is this, and he remixes everything. And how revolutionary not only his death was, but his life was. And so when Jesus did that, he presented this brand new way how to be human and how to live life. He remixed life. And here's the thing, it's not a bad remix. You ever heard some bad remixes? You're like, why did you do that? Just get, stick to the original. No, he gives the best remix. It's, in fact, it's the best possible life that you and I could ever live. And so Jesus came and he gives us that type of life. 
And then he died a brutal death on a wooden cross as a sacrifice to pay for all of humanity's sins, including my sin and your sin. But he was raised from the dead three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And the smile on my face is genuine because I can't ever get over that. Because it gave every single person, including me, including you, two things. One, the chance to spend eternity with God in heaven. And then two, the chance to have a personal relationship with him now until we get there. And John 3, 16 puts it this way. It's a very familiar verse, but beautifully tells the gospel in one sentence. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone, everyone, you hear the inclusive, the, the gospel is strictly inclusive, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And then Romans chapter 3 Verse 23 through 25, it says, for everyone has sinned. We all, inclusive, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People, that's all people. That's you and I. That's every single person. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And you need to understand that if you have a pulse, the gospel is for you. That if you're far from God and you stumbled your way into Withrow High School today, you need to know that the gospel is for you. But if you're here and you found your way to Withrow High School and you're close to God, and you've been following him for a long time, you need to understand that the gospel is for you too that we never graduate from the gospel, that we never, it's never that we get over that. Oh, we experienced that a long time ago. No, we go deeper and deeper and deeper into the gospel. When we truly understand what he's done for us, we never graduate from that. The gospel is strictly inclusive. And I'll end with this powerful quote from an incredible pastor named Tim Keller. He said that the gospel says you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. And I grew up in churches like that. That would just say that part. Hey, you're sinful. You're flawed. You're messed up. Yeah, I get it. I know my life. <laughs> but I love the second part because I think it beautifully communicates the gospel. But it also says you're more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. Don't you bow your head and close your eyes and just ask God right there. Why don't you just pray this very simple prayer? You don't have to look around. This is just a moment for you and God. And why don't right now you just kind of just whisper this prayer. Say, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me? We believe, we believe that God is a speaking God and that we believe that our Sundays should always affect our Mondays. This isn't just a compartmentalized part of our life. This is, this is something where he wants to affect tomorrow. And so ask him, what does my response need to be today? What's a next step that I can take? 
And I wanna lead us through two very specific responses. And first, we wanna give you an opportunity to make the most important decision of your life, the decision to follow Jesus, to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to the gospel. And maybe you're here and you've, ne like you've never had a relationship with God. Or maybe you have in the past and you've gone off and you've done your own thing and it feels like you're a mile from God. And today we wanna give you the opportunity to say yes and to come back and say, I need a fresh start in my life. I need to say yes to grace. I need to receive forgiveness. I need to say yes to the gospel, yes to Jesus. And we're not gonna point you out, make you come forward or embarrass you in any way. But today, if you wanna make that decision, I wanna lead you in a very simple prayer, but I think it's very important that you take a tangible step for you to say, God, that's me. I'm making that decision. I need to come back to you or I need to come to you for the very first time. And if you're here and you wanna say yes, to God, if you wanna say yes to Jesus and the gospel and the story that he has perfectly laid out to you and, and start or restart a relationship with God, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to boldly put your hand in the air. And like, there's not gonna be a lot of people looking around. So just, I mean, it's a safe, it's safe, but it's important for you to say, you know what, I'm taking this step today. So if you're here and you wanna make that decision for the first time or you wanna, you wanna rededicate your life to God, if that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand, and we're gonna pray together. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Got you, got you, got you, got you. Anybody else? Got you. It's awesome. Anybody else? That's great. You can put your hand down. And why don't you just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you, and I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. I changed my mind. I changed my direction. Will you come live inside of me? Will you change me? Make me brand new. I surrender my whole life to you. Why don't you just, just, just whisper that in your seat. Just, I surrender my whole life, everything. I give you everything, everything. My past, my present, my future. I surrender my whole life to you. And today, I choose to follow you. Thank you for Jesus. We love you. And with your eyes still closed, nobody looking around, I wanna lead you through one more response and I felt so challenged all week preparing for this message to be that strictly inclusive circle facing out church that Jesus is calling us to be. And so I want to boldly ask you to join me and commit to being the strictly inclusive church that Jesus is calling us to be in the city of Cincinnati, that circle facing out church. And so I'm just gonna ask, just by a show of hands, say, who's with me? And I wanna pray together. And so if that's you, just go ahead and just raise your hand, say, I'm with you. I wanna be that type of person. I'm all in. I wanna be that type of community. I wanna be that type of church. I wanna do that, that's awesome. Hands up everywhere. You can put your hands down. And God, I just thank you so much for every single person that's here. I'm so thankful for the people who are here today, but God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for challenging us. I thank you for pushing us to be the type of church that you're calling us to be. And so God, right now, I just pray that you help us. 
Help us do that in the ways that we fall short, in the ways that we haven't done that. God, we come to you and we repent. That's not a bad word. It's just saying, God, that we're sorry and we change our mind. We change our direction. So God, if there's ever been a time where we haven't been that, God, right now is a line in the sand moment that says, God, we choose to do that. That not only here, not only here, but God, I believe that all over through our life, God, that we have a chance to be that type of church. God, help us to not be that church here, just in these four walls. God, help us to do that. Help us right now. A tangible response for so many of us is to go out into that lobby and meet somebody and connect with somebody and go connect with somebody that maybe is not my age or doesn't look like me or, God, I just ask that you give us a tangible open door today in the next three minutes to be able to respond. But God, I pray that you help us do that in our city. God, help us to be that type of church, to be that strictly inclusive, circle-facing-out church. We say yes to being who you are calling us to be. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you so much for Jesus and the amazing example of Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we pray. And everybody said amen. Hey, there was, there was some people that about two minutes ago, made the best decision of their life, the most important decision of their life to follow Jesus. Come on, church. Can we clap our hands and celebrate that? We're so proud of you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople. 